Welcome to In The Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. Welcome back, everyone, to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm very excited to have on today's call Chris Badgett, who is the founder of Lifter LMS, which is a SaaS company that um, makes online courses essentially easy for you to create, control, sell, market, the whole nine yards. And we're going to talk about kind of how he built this platform, how he's growing it, um, and just a little bit about what led him to what he's doing today. So, Chris, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me on the show, Tom. Absolutely. It's my pleasure for sure. So I know you have a super interesting background because we talked before. This isn't our first conversation. Um, you told me a little bit about some of the travel you've done with your family and stuff like that. And I just was really impressed by it and the fact that now you're, you know, you're building this amazing uh, you know, software company. Um, but before we get to the Lifter LMS and everything you're doing with that, tell me a little bit about your background. Like what led you to building this company? Well, my background has been kind of non-traditional in the tech space. I'm an avid outdoor person. So back in high school, now I grew up in North Carolina. Currently, I live in Maine, but I've lived all over the country and in different parts of the world. Uh, but my my interest growing up was more in social things like anthropology and psychology. And then I got into outdoor leadership in a big way and ended up ultimately ended up in Alaska for almost 10 years. Uh, managing a sled dog tour business on a glacier that you could only get to by helicopter. I had, uh, there's 30 people working there, a couple hundred sled dogs, uh, managing a lot of responsibility and risk and that sort of thing. So that's really where I cut my teeth on uh, leadership, managing a business and, you know, working with lots of customers and employees and things like that. But ultimately, uh, through that journey as an outdoor professional, I'm big into mountain climbing rock climbing, all that kind of stuff. Took a semester off college to hike the Appalachian Trail. Through all that, I got interested in the online world. It started off as a hobby. I found my uh, experience in leading teams and also interest in anthropology and, and social science actually is how I kind of edged into becoming a, a marketer. So I'm kind of like a social scientist who became a marketer. And then uh, over time, I I started becoming fascinated with membership sites, online courses, started publishing my own, and uh, then partnering with other professionals around the world. That led me to some international travel to uh, record some some educational events and things of that nature. And then I started creating digital products and online courses around that. And through all that experience, um, I ended up you know, wanting to build a better mousetrap and essentially... Uh, make my own online course solution for the marketplace. So that's the short version. I love it. Okay, so not many people I know have transitioned from. Tell me if I'm using the right terminology. The sled dog, like, what do you what what, what would you call that again? Dog you, uh, dog mushing. Like, do, yeah, like training and running <laughs> from dogs. from yeah. dog mushing in Alaska to to building a software company. Um, so real quick, give me a little like snapshot day in the life of when you were doing that back in Alaska, what was like a typical day when you're doing that? And are, was there any like, and maybe even like maybe the craziest thing you ever experienced, like 
doing that. I feel like there must have been some extreme situations, extreme weather. Like, I don't know. Give us a little like clue of what, what life would have been like for you. Well, I have all kinds of stories uh, just from mushing and other outdoor adventures. Um, but I would say in, in, from the sled dog world, there's really two sides to that coin. One slide was one side was managing a an ecotourism business that was one of the you know voted as one of the best like excursions in the world by Disney or somebody like that. You know, up there, you know, sometimes I've spent 30 days on the ice field without you know going to where there's power and things like that, and and uh, running you know groups of team grizzly grizzly bears coming into camp. Just dealing with, you know, being in a wilderness environment, all kinds of interesting things happen. The weather comes in, you can't see five feet in front of you. And uh, so that's that's kind of intense. And then in the off season, a great mentor and friend who was the owner of that business was an Iditarod sled dog racer, which is a thousand mile race across Alaska. Uh, I learned from him the art of mushing and I also ran some races myself. And that's where I really um learn how to train sled dogs and get into animal psychology and you know endurance marathoning with dogs basically and uh you know i in the wilderness of alaska i mean you're going into uncertain terrain sometimes you have to watch out for moose who can come in and start you know kicking the dog so i'd roll around with a sawed off shotgun with a slug shot just ready if i ever had to a counter with a moose I had to deal with. So, but there's all kinds of stories. I mean, I could go on and on about Alaska yeah. stories. No, that's, it's just, it's fascinating, man. I mean, it's like one of the, again, probably one of those, you know, one of the most rare professions I think I've ever, uh, ever heard of. And especially like the transition from that to now building, you know, a software company. So, so move, you know, fast forward to the future. Tell me a little bit about the inspiration specifically for Lifter LMS. Like I'm curious, and tell us a little bit about what, about what it is and the inspiration of of kind of like what got you started building it. I've always been kind of a stranger in a strange land, and what I mean by that is I grew up in a college town in North Carolina, and I ended up in all these places. Uh, and I got really interested in you know the social sciences, like I was saying. So I actually started running sled dogs in Colorado, not far from where you are. That's where I I got my start and all that. But through my journey. Um, I just have an insane curiosity about life and, uh, you know, living a life well lived. And then I'm extremely open minded to the point where I just really love learning new things, you know, whether that's running sled dogs or, you know, online commerce or, uh, you know, how to communicate more effectively, how to become a better leader, how to become a better manager. All these things. I'm just myself so fascinated by the topic of learning that, you know, I just, have always 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 and i think the older i get the more i realize this is kind of my thing is i if i get interested in something i will follow it to the absolute ultimate conclusion and you know my fascination with online education and seeing the economy change seeing people have trouble getting jobs with their education seeing you know education entrepreneurs i like to call them starting to build out, you know, businesses based on training people, helping people get jobs and so on. I've just become fascinated with the, you know, that medium. Cool. So then when you get started in this, you obviously don't have any experience like per se in, in course, you know, course creation uh, or necessarily software, right? So what are some of the hurdles? Zero. So yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. Like how do you go from zero knowledge on something, zero background, zero experience to to actually getting something up and running with you know paying customers 
I think the one of my strengths is has to do with building a team. You know, whether that's you know that comes from things like running a remote team and an outdoor leadership situation, or even getting into more subconscious psychology stuff like uh, leading a team of sled dogs um, and not doing it alone. I think there's this common myth or uh, just story we, we tell ourselves as entrepreneurs, especially in the digital space where we want to automate everything and be a solopreneur with, uh, you know, everything's automated and, you know, four hour work week and that kind of thing. And I've always kind of done the opposite. I guess ultimately I started building websites for fun and then people asked me to do it. I would charge $500, you know, for my early sites. And in my agency days, I got up to some six-figure web projects with a team around me uh, with very different skill sets. So I don't look for carbon copies of me. I look for people, you know, the designer is very different from the developer, which is very different from the project manager and so on. Um, so team building is the key, but also uh, I have a, a, an obsessive focus on what actually works and, and like using things in reality, not just for good ideas. And what I mean by that is my very first website is I started investing in real estate in Alaska because I was making a bunch of money on a glacier. I couldn't spend it anywhere. Uh, so I started investing in land and I built a cabin and camp up well and lived on that with my now wife for a while. But anyways, there came a time where I needed to sell that property. So I built a web page with a simple embedded YouTube video that I shot with my, my camcorder at the time about the property. And I just used modern internet marketing in a place that had never seen it. And then, uh, you know, started using Google AdWords for when it was cheap, like five cents a click. And all of a sudden I was able to sell my land up there for double what I got it at the top of the recession. And I realized like, oh, my gosh, this marketing thing works and being a communicator works. So I'm always like obsessively focused on what actually works. So when we build like a, um, you know, a sales checkout flow in the Lyft Elements software, you know, we're looking for things that actually work and drive conversions. You know, when we build engagement features, like we care a lot about what, like seeing people actually complete courses that they, they start. So we're look, we're always looking at data and looking at like what is actually helping, you know, increase conversions, increase course completion and, and so on. So it's an, I, for me, it's an obsession of constantly challenging assumptions and then taking a, a really open-minded team approach, both with the team and with the customer base and the prospects. Okay, and and tell me a little bit about like how'd you get this thing? I, I'm curious too, like because I mean it's it's a big undertaking because of like everything you just said, like all the different components. Uh, you need the developer, the designer. Um, you need to be able to market and sell it. I guess where do you? Where do you where did you specifically start? Like what were the things that you got in place like first that were like essential to kind of getting you to where you are today? Like and then and then what was that process of like getting your first few sales, you know, getting that first those first few customers like on the platform? Got it. So the uh the very first launch of Lifter LMS about three years ago, we had forty two customers. But before the even the first launch of the software, there was you know, a, a basically a lead page sales page with an offer about what it does with an opt-in list. And I think we got up to a couple hundred opt-ins without a single line of code, but not just not messing around. I mean, this was a real proposed feature set 
that I had a team to build and I had built, I'd been doing agency work for about uh, four years at that point with my company where we do custom web development. Um, and we specialized in things, lots of marketing automation and infusion stuff, integration stuff into WordPress. So we had uh, funded the product through client services, fully bootstrapped. We had a simple lead page with copy on it and some pictures, got validation through the interest list. And then uh, from that, that validation, we took about two months to build the, the prototype, the MVP. And then we launched that to 42 customers. I remember when that first sale came in. And then it's just a continuous um, lean startup style approach to continuous improvement. So now we have something like 40,000 downloads of the free software. And, and, you know, throughout the process, we switched our business model. We changed from a, you know, a premium product to a free front end with the add-on model. So we're just, we're constantly innovating and improving, but our primary focus is always on the end user. It's all about, it's not even our customer. It's the customer's learner that is the most important because if that person wins, everybody wins. Yeah. So that's that's interesting. And how do you communicate that message? Because I, I hear that and I think to myself, that's going to take different presentation than trying to sell the platform itself to the to the person paying for it, to the, the main the main user, right? Or the user of the software versus like the user or the you know the the student, right? So you have to frame it for those the people you're looking to use your platform, you have to frame it a little bit differently than just like selling straight up like the software that you create. So you know, I guess, how do you go about doing that? Especially since it sounds like your guys' ultimate focus is on that, like, end-end user, that that student, basically, student success. Like, how do you communicate that effectively? And I guess, what's the response been in the marketplace? Yeah, I would say, I mean, we're lucky because we live in this world of, uh, you know, education software or whatever. So the concept of education-based marketing is very natural to us. And what I mean by that is, we take a polarizing approach, like especially when we first start, when you're establishing a beachhead market where the messaging <laughs> is not generic. And what I mean by that is we start off with our, you know, you would say in copywriting, you would call it a damaging reveal about the, what we called the dirty little secret of membership sites. So we, we drew a line in the sand and we, we said, and this is where we're doing education-based marketing. Which, which we'll get to your, your question in a moment, but it's like there's these this camp over here who creates software and tools that are designed to put up a paywall, lock down content, get high conversion on sales. And that's where it kind of ends. That, and there, I mean, of course, there's like videos and things behind the paywall, but the focus is more on just getting that sale. So you're really focusing on the customer, not the customer's customer. And then we drew a line in the sand in the narrative in the story, which we are 100% in values alignment with and said, that's going on. And that's not bad. We're not anti-business. We're not anti-membership site. We're not anti-getting the sale. But what's the point of getting people through a funnel if, you know, the people who go through it, you know, are not wowed on the other side of the paywall? So let's focus on the learning experience, too. And I think Udemy published a statistic where the average Udemy course, you know, has that's sold has a 10% completion rate. It's a serious problem. So we, we really focus on solving that problem. And that message either really resonates with people or it doesn't. But essentially, 
it's through that education of being like, okay, let's look at this industry. Let's take this disjointed software approach where people have separate membership sites, separate LMS, separate e-commerce, and separate engagement and email marketing tools. Let's solve that problem. And then let's also focus on the uh, you know the end user because the best marketing is a good product. And in the education space, the true end product is that student getting the results, which they're not going to get if they don't complete the training and we don't give people tools to build the best possible training. You know, I have a podcast called LMS Cast for online course creators. So we're always like looking into the industry and looking for what's going on, what's actually working, what assumptions are we challenging, what seems to be working and so on. So uh, yeah, to get the, you know, the customer to focus more on their customer it really just comes from telling a compelling story and making a compelling use case. And I always like to say it's not just about, oh, you're wrong, focus on the end customer instead. It's more of a transcend and include, I like to say. So let's still focus on high conversions and good funnels and paywalls and locking down content, but let's also focus on that learner's journey through the software and, and, and what results they're getting in their life. Okay, so now tell me a little bit about that. How do you like improve the student experience? Like how do we get them to that level where more than 10% are completing? Like what are you guys looking at right now? What are the things that lead to student success? So there's a couple ways to go about it. There's a couple different layers. Um the kind of the first level up has to do with pretty much positive and negative reinforcement. So carrots and sticks. And that could be things like gamification, like achievement badges or certificates. Or one of the other big problems we solved is we took, uh, you know, stuff like Infusionsoft, ActiveCampaign, Drip. They had this email marketing systems. We actually brought all like that kind of behavior-based personalized email system right inside of WordPress, where you could have these trigger points based off of user behavior in the system. So. Let's say if somebody completes a lesson, you can have an email go out and say, awesome, you completed lesson two. That was really hard. Be sure to come back and start lesson three. You're over the hump now or something like that. So there's that a personalized engagement. You could put that on a delay. You could have that go out like a day later to re-engage the person. We also have, uh, you know, if someone fails a quiz in the learning management system. We have it so you can send them a message and also CC a tutor or, or a coach or something. To come, that's their cue to come in and engage with somebody who's struggling. Uh, we even have a trigger where uh, if somebody has not logged in in X number of days, you know, you could take an action. You could send them an email, give them a, you know, like a negative badge if you wanted to. But that's kind of the, the first layer. The second layer has to do with where if I'm really looking at putting my entrepreneur visionary hat on and I'm looking out into the future, the future of learning has a lot to do with autonomy or, or personal leadership. It has to do with people being in world-class teams and communities, things like masterminds and just like a high level of cohort and collect, you know community around a product or a training platform. And then also the ability to you know learn quickly and see results quickly. So anything, when I make a feature decision with the software, I'm asking myself, does this help promote 
uh, the team or like a group experience. Uh, an example with that would be like how we integrate with forum software, how comments work below lessons, how notifications on comments work and things like that. Uh, is what we're doing helping promote rapid learning or focus, you know, whether that's some drip content or prerequisite stuff so people have to follow a process or have to pass something before they can move on? And then, uh, you know, is it promote leadership or autonomy? Can they, can we flip the classroom upside down and allow the learner to take leadership and control over their learning and how they learn and their speed and cadence and that sort of thing? Or are we really empowering the learner, uh, which is, you know, a flip from the model of like a passive teacher talking down to the classroom kind of situation. So it's, it's those kinds of things that have, uh, you know, helped us really focus on that engagement and getting people to finish and also just building a community around the product, whether that's our Facebook group or our podcast. And there's a great thinker, his name's uh, Peter Galenius, who, who really opened my eyes to this, uh, those concepts of leadership team and learning. And so we're always looking to improve in ways that, that promote engagement. Interesting. Okay, great. And then now that you're doing this, like, are you guys able to measure that stuff? Like, are you able to measure and see that, like, yeah, these things that you're recommending are, are actually improving that and, like, increasing people's completion of courses? Yes, we are. Um, I mean, it's not, it's always, it's a combination of art and science. I wish right. it was all science. But right. there are things like, like we have instrumented our software to have anonymous tracking that people can opt into when they first get set up. Mm -hmm. And that sends us non-personal, no data that we shouldn't be seeing. Like we're not getting mm -hmm. like sales figures or the, mm -hmm. our user email addresses and things. But we see how people are using the software, see uh, how their students are doing and like what their completion rates are, and which, you know, features they're using or they're not using. So we take a really scientific approach to that. We also, you know, are constantly surveying our audience, you know, doing questions, asking and Facebook groups and things like what's working. We're always listening to like what's working. You know, I saw somebody in the Facebook group say the other day, uh, oh, I just made $100,000 in three days with my lifter course. Thanks so much for the awesome software. <laughs> when I see something like that, whoa, what's up? How's that? What's going on? So, I, you know, mm. I connect with that person personally and I figure out like how they're using it and what's working. Interesting. You know, I think this is a, rather competitive um, market. It seems like from, from my vantage point, and, and maybe I'm way off on that, but to some degree, there's like some good, you know, some solid competitors. You know, there's obviously the ubiquitous Udemy, and I think that has its own shortfalls when it comes to pricing and things like that, which is one of the reasons I don't use that platform. There's like baked in software with certain platforms, like um, uh, what, what I'm using on my website. It has a, a built-in LMS that is very... Uh, <sighs> Uh, it lacks a lot of things, honestly. So it's like, in in using it, I, I recognize the need for good software. But then there's you know companies out there like Teachable, Thinkific. You know where does Lifter like fit in there? How do you guys carve out your space? Like who do you primarily attract, or what are you what are you doing to kind of like? I won't. I don't want to say like necessarily compete against these companies, but in the context that they're kind of providing at least something similar, if, if, if in a different way, like, I guess, how do you approach that aspect of kind of like 
the the education space and the online kind of course space? Awesome. That's a great question. Well, I think like with any business over time, you get really good. And if you're not, you should focus on it, getting really good on segmentation and understanding your market and your differentiator. That is true. There's like literally hundreds, if not thousands of LMS and membership site solutions out there, which is good and bad. I mean, it's good to be in a hungry market, but, you know, it's hard to stand out. But within that, Udemy, for example, is like a course marketplace. Um, Teachable is a hosted solution. LiftJLMS is a self-hosted solution, and it also happens to be in the, the WordPress niche. So there's different, like we don't take a black and white approach to it in that like we recommend people, people often do it backwards. They focus on the software and then they, um, you know, then they build the content and then they go try to find community. But that's actually the wrong way to do it. <laughs> so the first thing is to, you know, build a community, then build the learning content, and then wrap it in some software tool. But uh, if you're just starting out, there's nothing wrong. My very first course was on on uh, Udemy. I still have several courses on there, and it's a great way to get leads. <laughs> you know, it's a great place to put a free course or a, you know, a paid course that's going to get eyeballs without your effort. I just published a course on Udemy about how to build an online course website in WordPress uh, about a month ago, and I've got almost a couple thousand users in there. Those are new people coming to the Lifter LMS software. So there's a time and a place for everything. Teachable is great if you, uh, you know, you you're not you're you're kind of happy with some templates and you're not really looking to extend it, and you're happy with the design options they give you. Whereas what we have is it's more for the person who wants more complete control over their platform. They want to own it. They want to, uh, you know, potentially have more advanced design or custom design. They mm. want to add other functionality uh, on top of it. So that's, you know, once you get into it, they're, they are really different. Mm-hmm. But that's where we found our sweet spot. It's the self-hosted people who want complete control, low barrier to entry, highly scalable. But really what it, what I hear over and over again from our customers that they love is the, the control aspect. Yeah, that's interesting. And then I guess I'm curious, is that where you kind of started Was it with that? Or was that kind of an iterative process? Like, did you have to pivot to find that placement? Well, we always knew we wanted to take that engagement as a, as a like, unique selling proposition. But yeah, we, we're constantly, we're always listening. We haven't had a really hard pivot besides our business model, like moving from a paid front end to a free front end. But uh, we're listening to the market and it was intentional for us. I think it's really important with the SaaS product to really focus on the beachhead market. And there's a great book about that if you're not familiar with it called Crossing the Chasm. Mm-hmm. It's a classic. But we knew like the self, the do-it-yourselfer kind of WordPress community, kind of guru market was our beachhead market. And they want control. They want extendability. They want to start small, have an MVP and scale up. You know, our original bets, I guess I would say, have proved to be good. So we're, we haven't really had a major pivot. That's interesting. That's awesome. And yeah, that's actually one of my favorite books. Probably, I, yeah, I think it's required reading or should be for, for just about anybody doing anything um, in the business space. Definitely in the, the tech space, I think it's probably most appropriate. But I think the lessons from that book are applicable to anybody. Um, and that's Crossing the Chasm, right? Am I getting the name right? Oh, that's right. I, I'm blanking on the author, but it's a classic. 
yeah, I think it's like Jeff Jeffrey something, and I I feel bad that I'm blanking on. But anyway, Crossing the Chasm, check it out. Google it, YouTube it, uh, Amazon. I'm sure it's on. I know it's on Amazon. That's where I got it. But um, yeah, Google it. I know there's people that have written about. It. I think I've actually written a couple of articles, like from some insights that I I took away from it. But awesome book. Okay, so now tell me, Chris, going forward, you know, you said you're listening to the market. Where do you go from here? Like, what's your what's your ultimate goal, and what are you doing? to get there like in this next year or two like how how do you i guess approach growth of your of your software company well i take it uh on three different horizons i take it on the immediate horizon like what are we doing next sprint next couple of weeks or next two sprints like this month uh what what's our midterm like annual plan two-year plan and then what's our long-term vision so the conversations are very different at those different levels you know, immediately we have a, you know, a huge backlog of features. We get our customers to vote on things so we can detect trends uh, and challenge our own assumptions about what people want and that sort of thing. So we're constantly in agile development. It's called grooming the backlog. We're constantly uh, floating ideas and taking uh, feature requests from our user base. So that's kind of like the short term. The longer term vision has to do with just Build, or I'd say the medium-term vision is building on what we already have, which means uh, kind of moving off of that beachhead a little bit, not mm-hmm. abandoning it, but again, transcending and including and moving into a tool set that is can serve uh, a more multi-teacher platform. Think, uh, you know, non-traditional online school in whatever niche. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's some additional layers of functionality so that, that could be uh, added to better serve those markets. There's already multi-teacher platforms out there using Lifter, but there's some things we can do to really expand into that that market. So that's kind of a, a medium-term objective in the you know the tool set and the reporting and the, mm-hmm. the what different users can do. And then the the next evolution, or, or I'd say the grand vision of the whole thing is that we're continuously focused on uh, more societal problems. Mm-hmm. Like if learning isn't necessarily getting jobs or or not really preparing people for the modern economy, either from a skill set perspective or empowering other entrepreneurs to start businesses. We're aligning our product roadmap to help solve those problems. Our our number one goal is to solve social and business problems with software. And one of the reasons we have a free front end is because, and this is the beauty of SaaS, in the internet is you can have a global business. We wanted people to be able to launch courses and create their own MVPs in any anywhere in the world that they can have a website, uh, install WordPress, and take our free plugin and start getting sales for their courses. So that's that's a big part of our, our mission and that creates ubiquity. And that's that's why our user base grew quite a bit since our um, our business model changed. But in the long run, you know, we're really committed to the education entrepreneurs out there and also to the, besides making money with courses, people who are trying to do things with training, even other SaaS companies who aren't leveraging courses to as, as a form of marketing and customer onboarding to reduce churn or as a um, traditional business who is trying to curate, you know, it's top performers knowledge and stuff into some kind of internal training database there's all kinds of different ways to leverage online education and solve business problems and also just just social problems getting people skills and 
you know, helping people educate the world around different issues and that sort of thing. So that's the big vision. Well, Chris, I just want to say thank you so much for a great conversation. Love uh, everything you've been working on. Lifter LMS is a great platform. Encourage people to check it out. Go to lifterlms.com. Love your backstory and just everything you're working on and trying to grow here. So now I want to give you the floor. Where can people reach out to find you and find out more about your platform? Uh, The best place is just to go to lifterlms.com. And if you want to listen to my podcast, you can just Google LMS cast or just find a link to it at lifterlms.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Chris Badgett. Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you so much. And it was great having you on in the trenches. Thanks for having me on the show, Tom. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to In the Trenches. Your creative work doesn't stop here. Join the resistance, the small but growing army of entrepreneurs and artists putting a dent in the world at www.tommorkis.com. Never fight alone. Join the resistance.